What does it mean to be called crazy in a crazy world? Listen to Madness Radio, voices and visions from outside mental health. Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on Pacifica Affiliates, WXOJLP-FM, Northampton, Massachusetts, and KWMD Kasilof and Anchorage, Alaska. Produced by Freedom Center and the Icarus Project, streaming, podcasting, and archive at madnessradio.net. Thanks for tuning in to Madness Radio. This is your host, Will Hall. And today we have Mel Gunasena. She is a video activist, um, writer, poet, and artist. Um, She's the director of a really interesting 45-minute documentary called Evolving Minds, which is on um, the relationship of what's called psychosis to spiritual experience. Um, So we'll be talking about um, that uh, film that she directed and also her experiences as a survivor of forced hospitalization in London and um, how she's been able to um, recover independent of the mental health system. Um, Mel also was one of the founders of an art therapy project working with tsunami-affected children in uh, Sri Lanka. And she's working on another film project. And so um, it's great to have you, Mel Gunasena. Welcome to Madness Radio. Thank you. And you're calling us from, uh, you're in Chiapas, Mexico, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm currently living in in Chiapas. Mel, tell us about um, the experiences that you had that led to making this documentary. I want to talk about the documentary um, a little bit later because it's a really great resource for for talking about, for understanding extreme states, altered states of consciousness and what gets called psychosis and spirituality. But tell us about just the background. When did you get into the mental health system? What sort of crisis were you going through? And then how how did you get out of it? The first time that I was forcibly hospitalized was in 1999 in the UK and I had been experiencing a completely altered state of of mind for some time and for me it was a very powerful spiritual experience. I had always been very interested in shamanic states of consciousness and meditation and for me, I felt that I was accessing dimensions of reality which which were very powerful and potentially very useful for for me and for humanity and to outsiders um or to to my family, it seemed that i was I was going crazy and I was eventually picked up by the police and put into uh, a psychiatric hospital. And that was in uh, London in 1999. Yes. So what? So you say you were accessing different dimensions. What kind of things were you experiencing? Were you having lots of ideas? Were you seeing things? Were you having lots of energy moving through you? Uh, all of the above. Yeah, yeah. I felt incredibly infused with energy. I felt stronger than I'd than I'd ever felt before in my life. I felt that I could see, I could see reality much more clearly than I had uh, before. And I felt, I was very affected by energy and I felt that I could um, perceive people's energy, people's thoughts at times. And um, it, it it was frightening, but at the same time it was also very exhilarating. It was very powerful. What kinds of things did you see about reality? Did you have like, 
insights about how the world works or insights about spiritual aspects of reality or different levels of reality? The, the primary insight that I had was how we are so governed by fear and how, you know, from our, from our childhood days, the, the governments and the media and society and um, try to try to control us to live in this in the state of of not really being who we really are and, and being able to to live to our full potential and for me it was it was i would say it's probably similar to people who who um people who live a very spiritual path and who practice um spiritual practices and the kind of states of mind that they are trying to access, whether it's through meditation or, or, or other, um, other practices to alter their states of consciousness, is all about connecting with, with the cosmos, with, with everything, with, with everything that exists on the earth and everything that exists in, in infinity as well. And I think the problem that we have as, um, or the problem that we have in society today is that um, society structure in such a way so that people are cut off from their from their roots, if you like, um, from their source of, of power. Yeah, because that's a very common teaching in a lot of um, traditions that you know we're kind of locked into a fear mentality and we're not actually seeing the truth. And it sounds like you sort of, when you were in these altered states, you kind of freed yourself of that fear and you started to actually see what is going on. Absolutely. On the reality level. Absolutely. And the danger was because because I hadn't um been doing it slowly and and in a controlled way with spiritual practice, I was just kind of launched into this into this other other dimensions where I didn't know how to how to how to be. And so I think it's very important for people to have one foot in both worlds, if you like, you know, to be in the ordinary every day and to be able to access these dimensions. And I think what happens with a lot of people when they are labeled with psychosis and they end up in psychiatric hospitals is that they've completely kind of launched themselves into other dimensions and they don't know how to, how to get back or how to still kind of operate within the boundaries of society so that you know you don't for example go running down the street naked or or whatever it might be that gets you locked up um and while i while i personally think that if people want to run down the street naked then well you know why not but obviously we live in in a society where we're doing such things (laughs) is illegal so um, yeah, it seems yeah, kind of absurd. Actually, we I think we just had the naked bike ride um, here in Portland. So, you huh? know, the whole s- social conventions around what's crazy behavior and what's normal is really pretty, pretty arbitrary. What what kinds of things were you doing that sort of led to going into this state where you did get launched into these other dimensions? Were you doing a lot of spiritual practice, or what was it that was going on that kind of um, pushed you over that that point? I had started to I had experienced a lot of trauma in my in my life and I tried various methods to overcome this this these traumas and griefs 
Um, but I'd found that they none of them seemed to have have actually changed my my perception. So I started to at the time I was travelling in India in the Himalayas, and I started to use LSD as a healing tool. Um, to in the way that it was it was used um, when it first when it first came out in the 50s, people were using it for psychological um, uh, healing. Yeah, it was very popular. Um, psychiatrists and psychologists were using yeah, it as a it research was, tool yeah. and also a therapy tool. Psycho- psychoanalysts were using it as a therapy tool as yeah. well. And I know today there still is an underground. We've talked about this on other shows. There still is an underground of people who are using LSD and other psychedelics as a way of tapping in to spiritual connection and exploring the mind. And I think I remember reading an article recently where a lot of the spiritual teachers in Buddhism, like Jack Kornfield or Ram Das, actually were very much involved with psychedelics and LSD, and they kind of got their start on the mm. spiritual path through um, hallucinogens and psychedelics. So there's a big, strong connection there. So you were working with that, and then what happened? I at the time I, I was spending a lot of time in in nature, like in, in the wilderness, in the mountains, and I was using, as I said, I was using LSD, but I didn't have um, I didn't have uh, proper support or proper guidance, and so I think I started to I was starting to experience more and more um, I started to have more and more powerful experiences. But I, I didn't have the the kind of safety net, I guess, that comes with a tradition of of um, traveling in in other dimensions. Um, if you like, I didn't have a a guide or a teacher, and so I think this kind of led me to lose my way a bit, and to I started less and less to come back to kind of everyday reality. So I was starting to live more in other dimensions than in the kind of everyday. Um, so some of the, the ordinary day-to-day things like feeding yourself or having a place to sleep or those kinds of yeah. things started to be less important because you're focused on these spiritual insights that you're having. Yeah, yeah. And I found that I, I got into a state of mind where I didn't want to sleep. I was I had so much energy that I just I just didn't want to you know I wanted to be awake alive all the time and and obviously this burns out the body. Being in India, you must you must have been in a in an environment that was really conducive to that or maybe feeding into that. Very much so. Yes, yes, and people have in in traditional societies all over the world, people ex- experience altered states. And people use these altered states to gain knowledge which can heal and help the rest of their society. But in these traditions, because they're traditions, uh, if you are a novice in these other dimensions, then you will have a guide, you will have teachers, you will have people that have been in these places before who can reassure you, who can support you, who can tell you how to deal with these new changes. And it sounded like instead what you had was your family who didn't really understand and couldn't really provide any kind of support, really. Absolutely. 
you, you mentioned yeah. something before that I think is really important and it's, it's, it's tremendously mysterious, but it's something that keeps coming up again and again on the, sh on the show. And we've, and we talked about it a lot. It's just this relationship between trauma and spiritual awakening or spiritual insight. It sounds like those two things were really closely linked for you. Can you say a little bit more about that and what you've learned about that? I think that what happens with people that experience severe traumas is because it's so out of the everyday, it therefore opens gateways, if you like, in the brain to be able to pass through the everyday and experience experience other other states of being. I think there's also, um, I think that there has been a lot of research done on people who... Um, who have experienced um, a lot of traumas, especially childhood traumas, and have created another another dimension, if you like, for for to put themselves, so that they don't have to deal, so, so they don't have to experience the trauma, if you like, so that their, their mind is somewhere else. So yeah, that's two kind of ways of looking at it. So it's maybe kind of like um, trauma forces you to start journeying and leaving this reality as a safety thing, and then you you sort of have that pathway opened up to you. It's not something that I would recommend, right. <laughs> but we, you know, there there are an awful lot of people who have experienced a lot of trauma, and I think that you can you can use this, these this trauma to help you it doesn't have to cripple you you can use it to to develop yourself so what was it that happened when you so you're in these you're in these alternate dimensions and having this spiritual experience and you find yourself with your family what was it that happened that ended up leading to being uh locked up were you in conflicts with them or were they worried about you or was they were very worried about me i i was actually in thailand and the person that i was traveling with in thailand had phoned up my family in the UK and asked them to to come to Thailand and take me back to the UK because he was so worried about me. So my sister had turned up in Thailand and brought me back to uh, brought me back to London, which was a complete shock because for for the past uh, six months I'd been I'd been in the wilderness and suddenly I was I was back in the middle of the city in the middle of winter and everyone. Um, it, I, I felt at the time that people didn't recognize me. I felt that I'd come into my my true state of being and my family couldn't accept it and therefore they couldn't um, they couldn't see me. I had an experience of my, my mum came to meet me at the airport and she didn't recognize me. She thought that I was an air hostess and that really affected me, that my own mother didn't, didn't recognize me. Um... And so I, I spent a few days with them, and they were obviously very worried, and, and um, I felt that I had to, I had to connect with, with nature. I had to, I had to, I, 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 I started to feel more and more scared, and I felt that I really had to, to find a place where I would feel safe. And for me, I've always had a very strong connection with horses. And so the obvious thing to do at the time was to go and be with the nearest horses, which happened to be the police horses that were kept in stables around the corner from our house. And 
So a very early one morning, I jumped over the wall of the police station and jumped into a stable and and lay down under one of the horses and felt, for the first time in, in days, completely safe. And when the police saw me, they completely freaked out and, uh, and took me straight straight to the psychiatric hospital. Wow, so um, you were trying to really take care of yourself and, and heal yourself. I was, and I it was, was seen as yeah. this self-danger, self crazy it was seen as a crazy thing but actually you were really trying to heal yourself yeah and when i was taken to the hospital i nobody spoke to me they they kind of just shoved me into this room and observed me through a glass um through a kind of perspex window for a few hours and then suddenly without any kind of warning four men rushed into the room pulled down my pants and injected me in the ass with, oh with antipsychotics, which was obviously completely traumatic, and they then kept me for four days in a in a room, and every time I woke up, they they re-injected me um, with drugs. So I was absolutely terrified. I I really thought that I'd been kind of um, kidnapped by the forces of evil, and that they were either going to kill me or completely completely alter my perception um at the time it felt like i'd started to experience and perceive very powerful and beautiful things and i felt that the the psychiatric system were trying to stop that they were trying to destroy that ability in me yeah that's horrible and it, it sounds like that was itself very traumatizing and that's and you that started a whole stay in the locked ward at the hospital yes yeah yeah i was then kept there for some time and, and forced to take medication and i was told that by by psychiatrists that i had mental illness and that therefore i should take um psychiatric drugs for the rest of my life and Luckily, because I had studied about altered states of consciousness, because I was an activist, I didn't believe them. And so I used all the, all the knowledge that I had to be able to heal myself without, without their intervention. How long were you in the lockup in the hospital? I was put in a few times. Um, so I've, I've been forcibly, forcibly hospitalized um, on different occasions for different periods of time. And you were never really dangerous. You were never actively suicidal or you never threatened anyone or were dangerous to other people. So they were just identifying your state, which was far out by consensus reality standards, as something that just was not acceptable and needed to be forcibly changed with medication. Yes. And then how did you how did you sort of get out of that? I mean, it sounds like you were really clear that, you know, you didn't agree with their interpretation. You didn't want to take the medication. And how did you sort of get out of being in the grips of that system? I had to do when I came out of hospital, I had to do a, a complete detox. So I for months when I came out, I was very. um very scared. I didn't know. I wasn't. Sh I wasn't sure. I, nothing that I had been able to rely on seemed to be. I, I couldn't rely on anything that I previously relied on. So I really had to, by myself, just kind of 
trust that everything was going to be okay. And so I stopped taking the medication. I weaned myself off it slowly um, because it is very dangerous to stop taking psychiatric medication um, suddenly. You have to, if you've been on it, you have to come off it slowly. Um, so I did that and I also was very particular about my diet and um, I basically was just a recluse for, for some time until I got my, my strength and my confidence confidence back. And because um, because I had experience of making films, I was I was encouraged by Undercurrents, um, by Paul O'Connor from Undercurrents. Undercurrents is a video activist organization in the UK, and um, they have been training activists for many, many years to to make films about their issues. Um, it's news that you don't see on the news. And they really encouraged me to, to to put all the all the all my experiences into film to be to be able to help other people with it. And the process the process of doing that was in itself very empowering. And the result is a forty five minute um, documentary called Evolving Minds. And there's a trailer, I guess, uh, online, and people can um, people can check that out at undercurrents dot org slash minds. So. Um, Mel, let's um, tell us about the um, the film and what's in it and how you went about making it. The film looks at various different techniques for people to use to be able to control and heal themselves. So it looks at nutritional therapy um, because an awful lot of people that end up in psychiatric hospitals are actually suffering from malnutrition. And they might think because they're eating that they're not malnourished, but the reality is that because of the kind of foods they're eating, they're not getting enough vitamins or minerals for their brain to function properly. And at the same time, a lot of people uh, have food allergies and intolerances that can create all kinds of altered states of deception and altered emotional states. So that was a big part of your own healing and I, I'm interested in this because this is also my experience that you know diet and nutrition is really um, really important but tell us a little bit more about that I mean what exactly did you learn about your own dietary needs and then how did that actually help you to get more in control of these states? I learned that um, there are certain foods that I should avoid and when I eat those foods, they affect me mentally as well as physically. And um, I mean, that, that's the kind of fundamental of what I learned. It's different for everyone. So um, I would recommend for people to either to get tested um, nutritionally or to, or to try, if they suspect certain foods, to try cutting them out of the diet. And normally, they're the foods that people eat every day. So, um, things like sodas, like Coca-Cola and different kinds of soft drinks and coffee and sugar. Sugar has a huge influence on, on the, on the mind. Um, for me, it's, it's actually rice and I was eating rice kind of three times a day and it was my staple food. Um, and it was rice that was causing me, causing me a lot of problems, but it's different for different people. A lot of people have intolerances to lactose to wheat products, um, to yeast products, um, but it is different for everybody. And this is, this is a real theme that comes up with a lot of people who have 
are have been through really extreme experiences and then able to get out of them and and uh, to live without uh, medication and um i guess the question that i had was what how is it that that you feel some people kind of are able to get the discipline to do that and for some people it's really it becomes an, an ad addiction and it's very very difficult to get a handle on their own nutrition and diet and i think i know society plays a big role in this because the way that junk foods and, and really not healthy foods are being pushed on us and it's really the only thing that's available sometimes and it can often be more expensive to, to eat a more healthy diet. I, I would disagree that it has to be more expensive. I, I would say that if you get into the routine of, of buying fresh vegetables and, and fruit and fresh produce and cooking for yourself at home and carrying a packed lunch with you then it, then it actually works out cheaper. A lot of times, the, the reason why some people some people find it easy to to follow this, and some people find it hard. For me, at times in my life, I have to say, like I've you know I've dropped off the wagon, if you like, and I've got out and and eaten stuff that I know I shouldn't. And um, but generally, I try to I try to keep in control of it because if I don't, I'm I'm half the person that I could be, and I believe that we all have the responsibility in our lives to really live our lives as fully as we possibly can. If you're just tuning in, this is Madness Radio, and our guest today is Mel Gunasena. We're talking about her documentary film, Evolving Minds, on the relationship between psychosis, what's called psychosis, and spiritual experience. What are some of the other things that the film Evolving Minds um, talks about in terms of managing your own emotional states and you're learning to control your altered states? The film looks at the um, relationship between uh, psychosis and, um, and altered states. So it, there's an interview with a woman who set up a website, um, Schizophrenia and Shamanism, which, uh, which looks at exactly, that, exactly this. Um, so the, the film suggests techniques such as drumming, meditation, creative uh, pursuits such as drawing or poetry to enable yourself to, to ground yourself and at the same time to create a map for yourself to, to, to guide yourself through these altered states. It also has techniques such as, for example, if you know that you often go into altered states, um, to put around your house uh, messages telling yourself, okay, if, if you are starting to think certain things or experience or see certain things, then there are other things that you can do which will help you ground yourself in reality so that you, can, so that you don't end up being, being locked up in psychiatric wards. One of the examples in the film is if you start thinking that you're Jesus, then go and do some drumming. Go and go and do some drumming for several hours because the repetitiveness of the rhythm of drumming will enable you to, to, to stay grounded. How has the film been um, received? I know you've done a lot of um, community organizing where you go around and, and show the film and give talks. The film has been incredibly, incredibly well received. It, um, I was... Before I made it, I nearly didn't make it because I was so I was so traumatized by my experiences in psychiatric hospitals, and I was so scared of the power that these doctors have to to forcibly medicate that I at one point I was scared that if I made the film, 
then they were going to lock me up again and like really, really um, destroy my mind, you know. And um, but I, I was encouraged to make it. And once I made it, I I ended up doing a lot of screenings and running a lot of workshops in all kinds of different places. And the, the reception was amazing. People were so, I suppose, relieved to be able to to see this information, where people might um, might have like inklings of 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 that psychiatry isn't right, or you know that that they don't agree with it. But um, to be able to see it in public and to be able to discuss it in public was really really empowering for a lot of people. And I also made the film in such a way that it was very, it's very non-confrontational, if you like, because I wanted to be able to take it into hospitals and show it to doctors, show it to nurses, show it to social workers. Um, and that was very empowering as well, to be able to confront these these people or this body of people that I, I had previously felt had so much power over me, to be able to confront them and and give them information and for them to go, oh, that's very interesting. Oh, I'd never thought of that. Oh, that's, you know, that, yeah, that was very empowering for me. You mentioned before the fear and the way in which the government and the media really, the whole culture is kind of against these spiritual openings and these spiritual um, experiences that people have that then get labeled crazy or mental illness. Um, do you think that that's really what's going on in the background here? Is that there's like a struggle around that issue of, of fear for people and how much are people willing to open up? And then we have these institutions that clamp down on people and the media are, are part of that. I'm not quite sure if I know exactly what I'm asking here, but maybe I wanted, I wanted to hear more of your thoughts about that. For me, the label mental illness pertains to people, for example, who want to fight wars against people that they've never even met. It pertains to people who want to contaminate the planet. It can, you know, people who want to exploit other people just for monetary gain. That, to me, is mental illness. But in order to do these things, society has has legitimized these actions and said, well, that's normal. That's just how people are. And, and we are the crazy ones. We who are, who are experiencing um, spiritual dimensions and because of the lack of um, guidance in our society, we don't know how to deal with what we're experiencing. Then therefore, we're the crazy ones. The, um, the church massacred thousands of shamans in Europe in the 15th and 16th and 17th centuries. And therefore, our, our tradition of altar states has, has been was cut and had to go into hiding for, for centuries. And it's now starting to reemerge. It's, it's, you know, if you like the new age or whatever you want to call it, but people are, people are starting to become more and more aware of the importance of... Um, developing oneself spiritually in an empowered way um, without the control of, of government or state or, or religion. You mentioned before how difficult it is when you are kind of launched into these states without any kind of guidance or tradition or people to help you or to mentor you or elder you. 
through them. But what about the other, the other side of it, which is that there's kind of like so many different spiritual practitioners and guides and psychics and paganism. And there's just sort of this huge marketplace of um, people out there who, if you do start looking, it's kind of overwhelming. And then you start to think about, well, how, how do we control the quality? How do I know I can trust this person? Okay. Anybody can just say, okay, I'm a spiritual practitioner. I'm a psychic, you know, come to me, pay me money. I'll help you with your schizophrenia diagnosis, or I'll help you with your altered state. But how do people, you know, sort of navigate that kind of confusion of all these different um, things going out there that are, that are new age. I, I think to develop a really strong connection with nature, to spend as much time as possible with, with plants, animals. I, I think, um, yeah, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, it, it is difficult and there are a lot of charlatans out there as well. Um, but I think, you know, being able to, finding people that you can talk about altered states with and talk about your experiences with, people that will understand. Start, you know, and if you don't have people in your local area, um, if starting a group and inviting people to come and join or, um, or talk, you know, communicating on the internet with people. Um, it's, I, that, yeah, there are a lot of people who, for example, will call themselves a, a shaman and and say that they could help you, and actually they might be, you know, just on a power trip, or they, you know, they just want your money, or they, you know, just want to control you. If you are able to trust in yourself, I think that's the prim- primary um, stage is to is to have trust in yourself and gently, gently open yourself to to others. And I think, you know, people who experience altered states are generally sensitive people. And um, I would say that um, you can genuinely pick up on a person's vibe. If you don't feel comfortable with them, then stop seeing them. Stop, stop seeing them. I have a friend who was, um, who was in a psychiatric hospital in the UK and was given, was, was given psychotherapy by the by the national health system, and he was actually molested by his uh, psychologist, who was a government worker. Wow, it you know it does it does happen. It doesn't get talked about, but it's it does happen too too often. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, wherever you go in life, there are going to be people who will have um, ulterior motives, but at the same time, there are also a lot of very genuine, um, very caring people out there. Mel, you mentioned um, before the creativity and art that you're involved in, and and I know that you uh, were one of the founders of an art therapy project um, in Sri Lanka working with tsunami-affected children. So how did that um, project get started, and what is it all about? The Art to Art project in Sri Lanka was started right after the tsunami, um, initially by two Spanish women and five uh, Sri Lankan school teachers and they started the project because after the tsunami the, the kids were completely traumatized and were didn't didn't want to play, didn't want to communicate and so they started using art and games to to enable these kids to express their trauma um, and and to get over it. 
So initially, a lot of the art that the children were producing was pictures of pictures of the waves, pictures of their of their um, of the family members that they'd lost, pictures of their friends that they'd lost, pictures of their houses that they'd lost. And the project is still continuing. There, there has been a civil war in Sri Lanka for more than 30 years, and we're also using the these same techniques to to help children who have been affected by by the war. And your ancestry is Sri Lankan too, is that right? My father is Sri Lankan, yes. What kinds of successes have you had with the children there and kind of helping them to get um, over their, in helping them to overcome their traumatic uh, experiences? I would say we've had amazing successes. I mean, just the, just the joy of seeing the children being able to laugh and play is, is yeah, is all the success that, that um, one could ask for. So, um, so this is a project that's ongoing, and if people wanted to get involved with that or to help out or um, to raise money, they could contact you, or, or how would they do that? The best thing to do would be to visit the website, which is um, art-art.org, and um, visit the website and contact the project through the website. Um, people are very welcome to come and volunteer. And also, um, if people would like to raise money for the project, then, then that would be very helpful as well. Now, you're working on another uh, film, or you're in the beginning stages of working on another film. So what um, what are your ideas for that, and, and what's that going to be all about? I would like to make a film which is looking in in detail at the places that people go to when they're in altered states and comparing different paths, if you like, that people take to these altered states. So, for example, comparing the people that have been put in psychiatric hospitals and said they have mental illnesses to people, shamans or, or other spiritual practitioners who've been following a, following a spiritual path, to people who have been taking psychedelic drugs, to um, people who hear voices and, and never, never come into contact with anyone about it. Um, and I would like to, in making this, in making this film, create, create a, a, a map a tool for people to be able to use. To help them sort of not get overwhelmed and to get to go into but also come out of the States when they want to. Yes, absolutely. Is that something that you're still struggling with yourself? I mean, have you sort of integrated your own spiritual experiences that you went through when you had that period of crisis and were in the hospital? Have you kind of integrated that into your life? And do you have that as a practice? Do you still struggle with that? Do you still have those states? I do still have those states. Um, I I am more aware now when I'm when I'm entering altered states um, and how to how to ground myself um, during them. Um, I still I still have fear about being forcibly hospitalised again. Um, I I hope that that will never happen again, but um, you never know. 
Mel, one of the aspects of your film is um, the movement for human rights and for changing the mental health system and psychiatry. Tell us a little bit about your work with that. I um, I think it is a very empowering experience to, to join together with other people that are um, fighting to change the system and to change the, the laws that govern the system. At the same time, I would say it's very important to to develop alternatives um, because you know we can we can wait forever for the system to change, and if we don't have our own alternatives, then what are we <laughs> what are we fighting for? Um, it for me one of the most um, empowering experiences was after coming out of a psychiatric hospital. I um, I felt completely alone, completely disempowered, um, felt that I'd been almost robbed of my identity, if you like. And I then heard about a group in the UK called Mad Pride. And just hearing that this group existed for me was incredible. It gave me the, the courage, um, the courage and, and, the, and the ability to, to believe in myself, to believe that what I thought was really true and and that I was that I was going to be okay and I would really recommend for people to if to get involved with with local campaign groups local national campaign groups and and um yeah it's a great way it's a great way of empowering yourself um to be active be active in your communities and and don't don't just let the system get away with it you know? Are you hopeful that the um, the culture can change and the system can change and, and fewer people are going to have to go through the kinds of things that you went through? I am completely hopeful, yeah. Well, uh, I have to actually, at times I do, I have to say, I do get I do get depressed and I do despair about the state of the world and all the... <sighs> the corruption, the greed, the, the destruction. But ultimately, yes, I, I do believe that things are going to change for the better. And it is our responsibility to believe that and to conduct our lives in a way that will bring about that change. So if there's someone listening right now who might be going through some kind of extreme state or altered state of consciousness, and it might have a spiritual side to it, but they're also having a hard time being grounded or maybe their family doesn't understand what they're going through or maybe they're just um, really scared and they're not sure what to do. What kind of message would you have for them? What kind of advice would you have for them? I would say that you are not alone. There are a lot of other people in the world that have experienced and are experiencing similar things that you might be experiencing. There are groups and people out there that can help. And if you give give yourself as much love as you can, look after yourself as, as well as you can by eating properly, by sleeping properly, by taking care of yourself. Mel, you're actually calling us from uh, Chiapas, Mexico. And I understand you're down there um, studying with some spiritual teachers. Is that right? Yes, I'm following a course in what's called Toltecidad, which is a form of shamanism which involves various um, exercises and meditations to develop your energetic, your energetic body, um, if you like, your light body, 
and with with that strength and energy to then be able to travel in other dimensions. It seems that there's a real growing interest in this around the world. And is that that's true in Mexico as well? More and more people are studying and learning and you're finding people there that you can talk to about how your altered states got called psychosis and mental illness, but actually they have a spiritual side to them? Yeah, yeah, very much so. The in since making the film and since and since getting involved in 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 learning about shamanism more, I have met so many people that are interested in, in these aspects and been able to been able to find people that, that yes I can I can share my experiences with. And I think that's really important for people um, because one of the dangers is that people become isolated. And that is exactly what the psychiatric system wants you to feel, I would say. Or if not, if, it, if they don't want you to feel it, it's often what you end up feeling after you've been through it. Mel, give us so. some contact information about how people can reach you and also they can um, take a look at the trailer of your documentary, Evolving Minds, and also how they can get a, get a copy of it. And also about the Art to Art project again in Sri Lanka. Okay. To... Um, um, if people want to get hold of a copy of Evolving Minds or if people would like to read stuff that I've written about these, these issues then you should go to undercurrent.org forward slash minds and I can be contacted through um, mel M-E-L, at undercurrent if you're interested in the project in Sri Lanka and would like to either come to Sri Lanka and volunteer or would, would like to fundraise for the project, then go to art-art.org. Mel Gunasena, thank you so much for joining us today on Madness Radio. Thank you, Will. You've been listening to an interview with Mel Gunasena. She is the director of the documentary film Evolving Minds, which is about the relationship between what's called psychosis and spiritual experience. She's also one of the founders of the art therapy project Art to Art in Sri Lanka, working with tsunami-affected children. That's about all the time that we have on Madness Radio this week. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You've been listening to Madness Radio, voices and visions from outside mental health. Madness Radio broadcasts every Tuesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on Pacifica Affiliates, WXOJLPFM, Northampton, Massachusetts, and KWMD, Kasilov, and Anchorage, Alaska. Produced by peer-run mental health communities, freedom-center.org and theicarusproject.net. Listen to our internet stream, podcasts, and show archives at madnessradio.net. If you have an idea for a story or guest on Madness Radio, to help us get broadcast on a station near you, or if you just want to share what's in your head, contact radio at madnessradio.net.